Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Age of Radio. Because it's sports talk with Cooper and Big Man. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Welcome back again, ladies and gentlemen. It is that time. Saturday wrestling talk when we have sports talk with Cooper and Big Man. This is Bigman, and as always, joining me, my brother Cooper. Koopa, how you doing? Doing pretty good, man. Time to get into this wrestling. Let's do it, brother. Yes, sir. Of course, it's our all notes provided by Bleacher Report, courtesy also of WWE.com and AllEliteWrestling.com. First off, Monday Night Raw. I've got to stop with the Vince McMahon impersonation. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does suck. But hey, uh, I'll give you props for trying, brother, because uh, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> Man, you can't fire me. <laughs> <laughs> You're fired. What? <laughs> can't do that. I'm half the show. <laughs> All right, here we go. Starting off. So, unfortunate news recently, right before Monday Night Raw kicked off, Drew McIntyre had tested positive for the COVID-19 virus, and will be in self-isolation for at least two weeks. This means there is a possibility he won't be back before the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. The most important thing is WWE Champion's health, so the company should plan around the possibility of not having him at the event, which means Goldberg might need something else to do, and McIntyre addressed the WWE Universe this week, along with Triple H opening the show. Koopa, any thoughts on the champ with covid well, I mean, hey, uh, as far as Goldberg goes, uh, if they got something for him to do, put him in the rumble. Make him prove himself. All right, make the old man prove himself worthy. That yeah. sounds like a good plot plan to me. Good plan to me. But uh, uh, it's early enough with that COVID uh, self-quarantine, as long as he t- tests positive by uh, the rumble, we'll probably have that match going underway. If it was... Uh, probably this Monday, I would say we're definitely not having it, but since it was this last Monday, there's still time for him to quarantine, isolate, and get over it well enough where it shouldn't be a problem for him to wrestle Goldberg. Yeah, man, uh, it's, it's crazy the things you gotta do for this COVID stuff, but, uh, you know, gotta do it. Absolutely, man. All right, so a feud has been reborn. A feud? What? Yes. A feud. A feud. A feud. Reborn. (laughs) <laughs> a great rivalry that was the epitome of Monday Night Raw not long ago when we had Triple H versus Randy Orton. So, how this happened. After a recap of last week's show, 
Triple H made his way to the ring. He spoke for all of five seconds before being interrupted by the Viper, Randy Orton. The Viper thought, right? The Viper, the Viper thought he had a uh, uh, deserved to have the WWE title handed to him due to McIntyre being out of action. But Triple H told him he would have to win the men's Royal Rumble match. The game and the Legend Killer went back and forth as they always do. Triple H said he was proud of Orton uh, when he put his own career ahead of everything else by lighting the fiend on fire. He also said he doesn't understand why Orton felt the need to embarrass so many legends. The Viper said in his prime, he is in his prime and challenged Triple H to a match. The game turned him down at first, but then punched him in the face, which Orton took as an agreement to fight on Monday night. Well, I mean, when you when you tell a man that uh, his balls are in his wife's purse, right? That pretty much gets you punched in the face, man. All right. So I never tell it to you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to laugh at you. <laughs> uh, the other interesting thing is, um, with that match, it would actually be the first time since uh, 2019 that Triple H actually wrestled on television. Yeah, so man, that? Four, four on years since we've actually seen him wrestle. That's pretty, pretty crazy. Yep. All right, so Charlotte Flair took on Lacey Evans. Charlotte Flair gave an interview before the match. Saying she and her father know things can get heated, but there is no problem between them after last week. She also said Lacey Evans is not the first woman to hit on Rick in front of her. They locked up and the queen forced Evans to the corner. She knocked the sassy southern belle down with a running shoulder, but let her get to her feet. Charlotte talked a lot of trash as she chopped away at her opponent. She began working over the knee of Evans, but failed to apply a figure four, uh, which she'll also bridge into a figure eight. For some reason, Rick's music hit and he made his way to the ring as a show cut to commercial. The Queen continued to control the majority of the action until Evans ducked a big boot and whipped her down by her hair. Always fun to watch women pulling each other's hair, but that's just me. As Charlotte was about to pin Evans, the Nature Boy placed the lady's foot on the bottom rope. Charlotte began to yell at him and he tripped her during a suplex attempt from uh, over the top rope and uh, then helped Evans win by holding Charlotte's flair... Uh, Charlotte's Flair feet to prevent a knock or kick out. My knockout. I don't know what I was reading there. My eyes went. <laughs> Evans and Rick celebrated in the aisle as a bewildered Charlotte stared at them both. Cooper, your thoughts? Yeah, I don't know about this storyline. This is this is like really bad. Um, this is an old hashing of a storyline when Cher uh, came. I'm not sure. Charlotte first came. To the main roster. Yes, it is an old hashing, but to the fact that now this time maybe old Ric Flair is getting a little bit of payback for her making him feel like crap. Because, you know, she made the old man cry. So, um, maybe, you know, he likes the lady's attention. So, you know, he's, he's you know, in arms with her. It is what it is, man. It so, is. well. We'll see what happens with this storyline. Right. And speaking of uh, rivalries renewed, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, well, it wasn't at the beginning. It was supposed to be Jeff Hardy versus Elias match. Uh, Elias uh, feigned thumb injury and said he could not compete, so he had Jackson Wright. Yeah, I said that right. I almost confused myself about what I was reading. Jackson Riker uh, had his be his replacement against Hardy. In the second match of the night, saw Jeff Hardy taking on his new uh, Lice's new heavy Jackson Riker. After an initial onslaught from Riker, Hardy took him down 
and prepared for a swanton. Uh, Elias then provided a distraction. He Elias, by the way, was on commentary for this match. Uh, provided a distraction, and Riker, Riker rolled up Hardy for the win, also grabbing his pants to prevent him from doing a kickout. The charismatic enigma, excuse me, grabbed the mic and challenged the musician to face him. He said Elias was scared that the world would think Riker is better than him. So Elias, pissed off, told him not to interfere under any circumstances. After the break, the second part of this uh, got started. Elias took an early lead and aggressively con- cornered. There we go. Hardy for some shots to the body. Fly, the high flyer took him down with a whisper in the wind. For a two count, the Enigma hit the twist of fate and a swanton for the win. And as ordered by Elias, Riker did nothing to help him. Cooper, your thoughts on this all of a sudden re- <laughs> uh, rivalry thing coming between I, these two? I, I thought it was pretty funny that uh, you know Elias was pretty butthurt at the end of that. And he's like... Why didn't you help me? And he goes, you told me not to. <laughs> so, I mean, you can't really blame the guy. I you mean, really you can't. Told him not, you told him not to. So, I mean, uh, does it make Riker the better the better wrestler? Uh, you, do you think this will put a little wedge between the two? You think it, maybe, it possibly uh, could. I mean, I like Riker. I think uh, he was good in TNA as Gunner, and I think that he he has a chance to be a powerhouse in WWE. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they put him with Elias, I mean, uh, I mean, it'd be cool if they were like a tag team, but making him more like his henchman is, yeah. is not cool to me. Absolutely not, man. All right. Well, at least finally Hardy got a win, even though he did have to take a loss first to get it. Because he's been on a, quite a losing streak as of late. Yes, he has. All right. So after a confrontation backstage, Sheamus and Keith Lee put their differences aside to take on The Miz and Morrison in a tag match. Because for some reason, those two decided it was a good idea to try to take on Sheamus and Keith Lee. <laughs> yeah, that's never a good idea. Mm-mm. No, that was uh, the segment backstage was really, really dumb of them. And uh, yeah. So, anyways. <laughs> It was bad. The Miz and Morrison, uh, or, sorry, John Morrison and the Celtic Warriors started, uh, but Lee was quickly brought in by Sheamus for a double team combo. They showed no signs of animosity and seemed to want to work together. The limit was Limitless One threw Morrison into the Miz and then tagged Sheamus. They seemed to be having fun as they took turns beating up their opponents. Lee crushed Morrison in the corner and the top rope snapped off the turnbuckle in what appeared to be a planned spot. But based off what I saw on Keith Lee's reaction, he, I don't think it was really that planned. Yeah, he looked like he was like, did I just do that? He had that smirk and smile like, oh, did I do that? Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, it, unless that's just really good acting by Keith Lee, but it, it sure seems like it surprised him. Oh, yeah, definitely. So. All right. So, Seamus looked uh, entertained, of course, after that happened. We returned to see The Miz and hit Sheamus with a DDT for a near fall. The A-lister coordinated him so he and Morrison could take turns beating him down to the mat. Lee got in a hot tag and started bulldozing off both opponents. Sheamus, though, would tag himself back into the ring with a bro kick for the win. They hugged, shook hands after the bell. So, Cooper, your thoughts on the dirt sheet taking on Sheamus and Keith Lee? Uh, To me, this was a very entertaining match mm-hmm. because it's always nice to see you know the Miz and Morrison get beat up it is and, great. Uh, I mean 
I've always liked Sheamus. I mean, I know everybody he, they have his their views about him, but I've always thought that he was he was pretty cool. The only time I really didn't like him was when he first started out, and uh, he pushed John Cena off the off the rope into the table. I thought that was stupid. But other than that, um, I think he's he's come back. He's proven himself, and and uh, and, and as far as Keith Lee goes, dude, he really is the limitless one because he is he's crazy. That dude can do like he did a Spanish fly off the top rope freaking last week, dude. So I mean, right. that dude is nuts. So I mean, to see those two. Beating on uh, Morrison and the Miz was was amazing, dude. I I, I right. had fun with this one. Yeah. Um. Despite the uh, celebra- celebratory win, it didn't take long for those two to actually come to blows. No. And end up having a match right after a commercial break. <laughs> so uh, something happened during that commercial break that caused Lee and Sheamus to get upset with each other. The match got started right away, and they traded strikes until he- Lee hit a huge headbutt. He tied up Sheamus against the ropes and lit him up, clo- clubbing him with blows to the chest. The Celtic Warrior did take him out, uh, did take out Lee at the knee, and whipped his left arm into the ring post a few times. He spent the next few mi- minutes keeping the limitless one grounded with various holds. Lee, though, would lift him off the mat and drop him to break an armbar before he hit the spirit bomb for the pin. In show of sportsmanship, Lee did offer Sheamus a fist bump after the match, but the Irishman went ahead and hugged him instead. So, Cooper, <laughs> back-to-back matches for these two, and yeah. this one against each other. Um, See, my, my concern with this is is maybe what's going on internally in WWE because this this is something that happened on Monday night. The mm-hmm. back-to-back matches is kind of what happened, like, we had it with Jeff Hardy and, and Riker and Elias, and then we go and have it with them. So is COVID to blame for this? It could be. We might not have known that there might have been more superstars out, but they um, you know, specifically talked about McIntyre specifically. But so. what's strange is both, both Sheamus and Keith Lee have been having matches with McIntyre. Yeah. So... I mean, you're right. Keith Lee just came off a championship match loss to McIntyre the previous week, and then we found out a glorious match. Too. It was. It was, it was a great was awesome. match. Uh, but then to find out the following, what was about Sunday, they announced uh, he was going to have be out with COVID. I believe it was either yeah. Saturday or Sunday. Saturday or Sunday it was of yeah. last weekend. I, it was after we finished this podcast last week, so I knew it had to be either late Saturday or uh, or uh, sometime during Sunday the day. Alright, so next up we had Retribution's T-Bar ticking on Xavier Woods. Woods would come out by himself to take on T-Bar, who had the rest of Retribution by his side. Mustafa Ali asked where Kofi Kingston was as uh, his man took control. There we go. After a couple of minutes, T-Bar dominating the match, Woods hit a jawbreaker to give himself a chance to recover. He started to build up a head of steam as he hit a series of different moves. He nailed a missile drop kick that set T-Bar out of the ring and followed up with a drop kick through the ropes. Though a distraction from Ali allowed T-Bar to yank Woods into the top rope. Uh, Woods picked up... he Oh, he picked up Woods, sorry, and hit his finisher, which the announcers called Eyes Wide Shut for the win. Cooper, your thoughts on Retribution T-Bar getting over on Xavier Woods? This T-Bar, dude, he's a pretty big guy, so I mean, the fact that he got over on uh, Xavier Woods, I mean, it's... 
That's to be expected. He's a bigger dude. Xavier Woods isn't that big. And I'm sorry, but Xavier Woods without Kofi Kingston? Or Big uh, Lee. Yeah, so it is what it is. I mean, and... It is what it yes, is. Yes, <laughs> uh, that is our favorite saying anymore. It yeah. is what it is. So. Right. All right, man. The almighty Bobby Lashley took on Riddle in a United States Championship match. Bobby Lashley was flanked by MVP as he came to the ring for his championship match against the man who defeated him the prior week, Riddle. The Almighty attacked his opponent before the bell even got uh, rung, so to get an early advantage. Riddle told the ref he could continue, though, and as soon as the bell rang, Lashley began to punish him in the corner. He dumped Riddle out of the ring, but the original bro was able to shove him into the ring post and hit a floating bro at ringside. Lashley, though, would catch him in midair and slam him to the mat before applying the hurt lock for a submissive victory. And this time the ref saw the submission because Riddle had to use both hands to get the tackle. Oh, out. yeah. He he wanted out of that, dude. I mm-hmm. saw that. And, you know, he took a beating on that one. And I think uh, Bobby Lashley made an example of him because of what happened last week. He was pretty angry about it. So, I mean, mm-hmm. he attacked him before the match and then then commenced on the beating. So, there you right. go. Riddle would, though, call out MVP after the match and challenge him to a match. Uh, for uh, th- th- Challenge MVP to a match. There we go. How about we say it right? The Hurt Business leader seemed happy to accept as the show went on to break. As we returned, it was already a fight between MVP and... Uh, as he hit the ball and elbow for a two count, Riddle took control, but Lashley hit him with a spear to cause a disqualification. And then, of course, after the disqualification and they were about to leave, MVP um, kicked uh, Riddle right in the side. Uh, looked like he hit him square in the ribs, and you could hear the thud uh, echo out through the Thunderdome. So, Cooper, your thoughts on Lashley, Riddle, and then, of course, MVP, Riddle. Well, of course, you know, MVP is going to come in and. He's going to pick up the scraps, and he's going to uh, be the vulture. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's pretty pretty uh, accurate of, of how he's been lately. He uh, He's more the manager type, and, um, you know, he, he's MVP. He's kind of dirty. So. Right. Um, as far as uh, that kick, man, it was pretty loud, and uh, we'll see what happens with his ribs. Maybe he'll be better by the rumble. I uh, really would like to see a one-on-one match with these two without any interference, without any kind of craziness, because I think without without the Hurt Business at ringside, I think mm-hmm. there might be a chance we might get to see a good match. Yeah, between that and also, of course, uh, uh, Bobby Lashley facing him square up, not attacking him prior to the bell. Yeah, being yeah. Like, and getting an early Just advantage. Just straight up, you know. Mm-hmm. Straight up match, man. I, that's one thing I don't understand about Bobby Lashley is I really like Bobby, and I thought that, you know, mm-hmm. he was going to be, I mean, we say this every week, so, <laughs> you know, it's just it's crazy to see him as the U.S. title holder. Yeah. I, I wish he was in the WWE title contention. Right. So. I mean, you never know. He may lose it, drop it to Riddle or someone at the Rumble and then just enter the the uh, rumble, and, rumble then, yeah. and go after uh, whoever he chooses then. We'll see. That would be really cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, uh, Drew Gulak taking on 
AJ Styles. Yeah, this was kind of crazy. It was. So Drew Gulak asked Adam Pearce for a spot in the Royal Rumble, but the WWE official said he had to earn a spot by defeating AJ Styles. The Phenomenal One took an early, but or took control early, but Gulak was able to turn things around and almost won the cup with a couple of pinning combinations. Styles managed to dump him over the top rope to the floor where almost, or almost, however you want to pronounce it, stood nearby. Gulak saw the giant foot and looked up to see the imposing figure looming over him. And <laughs> the way that camera angle was. It dude, makes it, it look worse. It was set perfect. I was like, what? Yeah, the, that camera angle makes it look even worse when you're just like, yeah. oh, yeah. it's Shaq. Oh, wait, no, it's almost. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's still scary. Just look up and see that. Styles, though, brought Gulak back into the ring and hit him with a phenomenal form for the victory. So, Koopa, this is one of those typical storylines we usually see around this time of year where someone's desperately trying to get their spot into the Rumble. Drew Gulak seems to be the one that's trying to be that Cinderella this year. What are your thoughts on Gulak and AJ Styles' match? Um, it was a good match, dude. I mm-hmm. mean, it could have went either way, but I think almost being almost, he's he's a kind of scary figure. and uh, You know, he doesn't even have to do anything. He just stands there and everybody trips out. So, yeah. I mean, uh, I think that might have been the nail in the coffin there it is what it is and I think Gulak he, he truly has some talent man he he's a good wrestler and mm-hmm. good I, technical wrestler he's a very good technical wrestler and that, that to me is my favorite kind of stuff is that technical wrestling I like watching somebody get tapped out I like the, the mat wrestling all that stuff to me that's that's real wrestling that's how it should be yeah and I think him and AJ did a good job with it. Um, Absolutely. But, I, you know, it was just too much for him. AJ Styles is AJ Styles, and, you know. That's you, why he's you, phenomenal. You got the phenom- phenomenal one, so. That's right. That's why he's the phenomenal soccer mom. <laughs> Does it all. <laughs> Anyways. All right, man. So next up, we had the former women's tag champion Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax versus Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose. There's a little beef uh, between these uh, four competitors as uh, it was Nyla Jax and Shayna Baszler knocking out Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose from being on the women's team for the Survivor Series pay-per-view a while back. So, oh, yeah, man. Yeah, so. <laughs> these two were looking for redemption. Oh, yes, they were. Or retribution. Oh, did I throw that out there? <laughs> My bad. Anyway, so we had Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose declare themselves for the Women's Royal Rumble match in a quick backstage promo before the contest got started. Shayna Baszler took control of Rose almost immediately and was unable to do her signature arm stomp. Brooke and Nia, oh, Brooke, yeah, Brooke and Nia Jax came in and the irresistible force took her down with ease. Rose tagged in and had a burst of offense before Jax picked her up for a Samoan drop. Brooke barely managed to break up the pin. Jack stacked them up in the corner for a running splash. Baszler tagged herself in and locked Rose in a Kofita clutch. And uh, for the victory, though, Jax was not very happy about that. Cooper, your thoughts on uh, Baszler and Nia Jax and their victory over uh, Brooke and Rose? Trouble in Paradise, maybe? Yeah, that that was been a, uh, a... a chemistry issue from the start. Yeah, I think... And it's that, starting to hit its boiling point. I think that eventually these two are going to split up because their egos are just too big. 
And they're better singles yeah. competitors than exactly. they really are tag. Yeah. They really are, and though don't get me wrong, they had a great run as tag champs. I thought I thought we were gonna see Baszler, you know, go after the women's title already, but uh, I mean, they they pushed her to the tag team championships, so we'll see what happens. I I really I really wanted to see her versus Ronda Rousey, but you know had, that that might be the reason for delaying her right now as being a champion, because they're probably scenes they're gonna get. Her, uh, get. I'm just running back. God, I just drew a blank on her name <laughs> for a second. Just went, yeah. duh. Yeah, maybe because yeah. I was picturing her. I don't her. know, though, because, uh, Rhonda doesn't seem like she wants to come back. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I mean, you know, there's been a lot of talk on Twitter and things like that. Her running her mouth about WWE and, yeah. you know, other, other superstars running their mouth about her. And yeah. it's, you know, so we'll see. It's a cat show. It's a yeah. cat fight. Yeah. Well, and don't forget, we have the Rumble, which is always good for a surprise appearance. Oh, yes. This or be, five. This would be great to see her come back. Yeah. So it's yeah. gonna, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens there for sure. All right, man. And so we are ready for run Monday night's freaking main event. Oh, it's a primetime match for some reason. <laughs> primetime match. Oh, it's primetime. I miss crime time. Maybe that's my problem. Yeah, me too. All right, so Triple H versus Randy Orton. Orton came down the ring after Triple H has made his entrance. Orton was hesitant to get into the ring at first, but once he did, Triple H <laughs> decked him right in the mouth, uh, sending the Viper fleeing back and then trying again um, to get back in the ring, which he was successful and fired some shots of his own on the game. The game, though, did eat, uh, take eight. eight that's, that's supposed to be eat. I should have read that better. He did eat a kick to the face, and Orton brought him out of the, of the squared circle. Triple H sent him into the steer, st- steer, steel steps, and both men went down. I was still surprised. Why did H go down on that? Because he, like, flung him, and then all of a sudden he just went and goes and collapses on the announce table. It's like, what was that? Yeah, i seen that, dude. Maybe a little bit of ring rust there. I guess. That's what happens when you don't wrestle for a whole year on television. All right, so uh, Triple H then found his sledgehammer under the ring and set his sights on his former protege. As he walked up the steps, the lights began to drop in the arena. Orton and Triple H both looked confused. Um, and then just as all the lights went out, the game realized the hammer was on fire. This hammer's on fire! <laughs> Sorry. The lights went out again completely, leaving Triple H uh, to be gone and Orton by himself in the ring. Yeah, man, uh, that was crazy. And it was, and then we would ha- then hear a distorted version of the Firefly Funhouse theme song. That's hard to say five times fast. Firefly Funhouse. There we go. Theme song played, and then we would see Alexa Bliss appear out of nowhere at the in the ring. Uh, after a moment of stare down between Orton and Alexa Bliss, she shoots a fireball into Orton's face, and then of course the show went off the air. Um, this, this to me was really not good TV at the end of it. Uh Um, because if you notice, before she gets into the ring, Orton's bleeding. His head's bleeding, right? Right, and they even uh, discussed that at ringside with the commentators when they said Triple H has blood, but it's not his. Because it was Orton. (laughs) And then when it cut to that... It was like Orton didn't have any blood. There was no blood to be found. Yeah. Um. So 
maybe WWE pre-recorded this and threw it in there. Um, I don't really care for it. Um, it is what it is. Uh, I know they're trying to make for good TV, but also, come on, we get picked on enough for being wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. Do you really have to make it look that fake? Yeah, that, that's true. So, all right, man. So that's how Monday Night Raw. And you got any last things you want to talk about Monday Night Raw before we move on to AEW? No, no, that was that. That's about it. <laughs> that's, all, that's all you got. All right. So next up, we have, of course have AEW Wednesday Night Dynamite. Oh yeah, baby. This was the second part of a two-week, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> uh, New Year Smash. Uh, All Elite Wrestling did wrap up their two-week New Year Smash special Wednesday night on Dynamite with a big TNT title defense match for uh, Darby Allin. We also got to see NWA Women's Championship Clash and the debut of Britt Baker's Waiting Room Talk Show. So let's get to it. Let's do it. How did I end up all the way on the bottom right over here? Hang on. Here we go. First up, we have the return of the bastard, the Mr. Pock. Versus Eddie Kingston, the the weird king or something. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> See how I am? I don't like my Fueled by months of frustration and fear, the bastard pa- uh, Pac pa- is it Pack or Pac? Pa- I think it's Pac. Okay, wasted no time unleashing on Eddie Kingston in the night's opening match, rocking him with a shotgun drop kick before the bell and wearing the loud mouth or wearing the loud mouth heel out early and often. Well-timed interference from uh, Ali. Ali? Yeah. Uh, slowed. Po- yeah. Who's Ali? Oh, the that was um the bunny, isn't it? Yes. My bad. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> ah, I'm like, who's Ali? All right, my bad. Okay. Slowed Pac's momentum and allowed Kingston to seize control. Here we go. He worked over the head and neck of his opponent. Pac, though, shook off the breathtaking chops that left his chest beat red and flattened Kingston with a German suplex. Pac drove the air from Co... I almost want to say Kofi Kingston every time I see Kingston. That's my bad, though. With a barrage of kicks for the chest, but a back fist from Kingston stunned Pac and a big drop... Big drop... Back drop pile driver... I just can't read right now. Brought both men to the mat. The competitors fought to their feet and up the ropes where Pac delivered a big superplex that left Kingston clutching his lower back and the pain nearly crippling. Kingston rocked his opponent with a clothesline, but Pac recovered and ultimately put him away with a black arrow. After the match, Pac attempted to apply the brutalizer, but the butcher and the blade made the save. Lance Archer hit the ring and joined the bastard and Ray Phoenix standing tall while the heels retreated. Koopa! Your thoughts on this <laughs> freaking fast pace and high flying, Pac only basically high flying. It was match to open AEW Dynamite. Yeah, it was good, dude. Actually, it was kind of surprising though. You know mm-hmm. why? Why? Because usually we get a tag team to start off AEW. I'm like, you're, what you're is not going wrong. on here? What's wrong. going on? <laughs> so it was it was kind of cool to see and to see Pac back after so many months of mm-hmm. uh, you know the. COVID quarantine stuff, so right. I, it, it was nice to see him back in action and uh, kicking ass. Absolutely, man. So, all right, man. So next up, we have Chuck Taylor versus Miro. A week ago, Chuck Taylor agreed to be Miro's butler if he could not beat the best man. 
not looking forward to a month of servitude. The Kentucky gentleman attacked Miro early and often taking him into the guardrail as Orange Cassidy, Kip Sabian, and Penelope Ford watched at ringside. Sabian rocked Cassidy on the floor, allowing Miro to capitalize on a distraction that turned the tide in his favor. He delivered a big Simone drop, then added some punishing rights in the corner, followed by a spinning heel kick. The big kick in Accolade finished Taylor off as Miro scored an impressive, mostly one-sided victory. He stared at Cassidy down the following, stared Cassidy down following the match. Cooper, your thoughts on poor Chuck Taylor being now Miro's butler for a month? Man, this is gonna be this is gonna make for interesting TV. We'll see what happens with it, dude. Cause mm-hmm. uh, old Chuck looked like he was scared. Miro's like grabbed him and pulled him pulled him backstage, and and, and I think Chuck looked over at, or Orange Cassidy standing in the ring looking around, going like, "There's nothing I can do about this. This is what it is." And it's like, yeah, it's it's gonna make for for some pretty probably funny moments in AEW. Alright, All right. so the New Year's resolutions for the Inner Circle happened right after this match. Jericho and the Inner Circle made their way to the ring to share their 2021 resolutions. Each member of the faction ran down their wishes for the New Year, which included MJF strengthening his bonds with his teammates. Jericho revealed, to, uh, his, revealed his to be him and MJF winning the AEW Tag Team Championships. Santana and Ortiz uh, took exception to that, and Sammy Guevara accused the Demo God of being a tag team slut. Yup. Yeah, dude, this was good, brother. Where'd I, I miss that? I Damn. I was laughing at this whole thing, dude. It was amazing. Tag team slut. Yes, a tag team slut is what he called him. I love it. All right. <laughs> he rightly said Jericho likes to jump from partner to partner. He accused him of getting chummy with Snoop Dogg last week. Friction intensified until Jericho intervened and uh, pitched a triple threat tag match to determine the official tag team of the inner circle. Jericho and MJF versus Santana and Ortiz versus <laughs> Guevara and Hager. Uh, the uh, faction came to a truce and the match was finalized. What I love, though is when Sammy proclaimed that him and Hager should be a team and called themselves Sammy Hager, and Jericho was like, no, we're not doing Sammy Hagar. And then Guevara's like, what? what? What's like, that? What's that? And he's like, never mind. <laughs> I love the reference. That was a great reference. Yeah, that was funny. We, I think we both busted up laughing at that part. It was yeah. pretty cool. I'm disappointed that I missed Tag Team Slut. Yeah, I think you were just walking into the room right after he had said that. Yeah, I went and did something else and came back because I, I just remember the end of the Miro match with <laughs> Chuck Taylor, and I'm just like, what did I miss? I'm like, damn, I missed some good shit. Yep, you did. I missed some good shit. Speaking of tag matches, though. Speaking of good shit. <laughs> and good shit. We had the Elite versus Griff Garrison, Brian Pillman Jr., and Daddy Danny. Limelight. Did I say daddy? <laughs> when I first said it, I'm like, that's why I said Danny the second time because I, I, I say daddy. This is fun tonight. I swear I'm not on anything. I'm not drunk. Be? I might. I probably should. Uh, all right, anyways, let's keep going with this. All right, prior to the night six-man tag match featuring the Elite, Don Callis encouraged the trip to the stage separate entrances. 
The trip. What? Damn, I didn't read all of this, obviously. Uh, <laughs> for them, the teams, to enter separately. A bit of manipulation by the EVP of Impact Wrestling that uh, will likely have implications later in this particular storyline. As it turned out, it was also Callus could produce Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson. That was supposed to be introduced. Yeah, Callus introduced the Good Brothers as the Young Bucks and Tony Khan watched disgustedly from backstage. The opposition for the match, Griff, Garrison, Brian Pillman Jr., and Daniel Amelie. I could have just skipped past that sentence. The Hills beat the overmatched babyfaces down from the opening bell until Limelight left Omega reeling. Gallows rocked him with a big boot, but Garrison and Pillman sent him to the floor. After a brief flurry of uh, by the babyfaces, Omega and Co. took over, beating down and isolating Limelight through the picture-in-picture commercial break. Limelight walked through the ropes to avoid Omega, uh, came off with the head scissors, Came off with the head scissors and sent the AEW World Champion flying. Limelight tagged Pillman, who, like his father, soared through the air like a flying Brian. What the? <laughs> Whipping Anderson out and clearing Omega off the end. I was confused for a second. All right. <laughs> Pillman and Garrison scored a very close near fall on Anderson, but missed. Uh, but a missed splash in the corner left the ladder prone to a three-on-one assault by the heels. Anderson tried for the gun stun on Garrison, but the young star escaped and escaped it and tagged Limelight back in the ring. Limelight fell prey to the Magic Killer, though, as AEW World Champion and Impact Tag Team Champions picked up the win. Following the bell, John Moxley entered da- uh, Daly's place through the stands and hit the ring, going straight for Omega. Despite his tenacity, Moxley found himself beaten down. The Lucha Bros, though, would come to the aid of Moxley in AEW. Fighting off Gallows and Anderson, Moxley pounded away at Omega as the locker room emptied out. Moxley wiped out Omega only for the Bucks to make their uh, come in and make the save. Penta, Zil, Penta L0M and Ray Phoenix, there we go, wiped Matt and, Nick, uh, yeah, Matt and Nick Jackson out with super kicks and all hell broke loose again. In the chaos, Omega and Callus retreated, leaving the fight for another day. As the ring filled up with AEW competitors, Anderson and Gallo exited through the stands just as they arrived. Cooper, your thoughts on this? Actually, it was a really good back-and-forth match between the Elite slash the Good Brothers and Griff Garrison, Brian Pillman, and Danny Limelight. Yeah, I don't know if you can call them the Elite. I think the Young Bucks were a little bit really pissed off about this. Right. But, uh... I think it was a good match back and forth all the way, and uh, that little reference to flying Brian is is truth when it comes to his son, man. He's he's got some talent, and I can't wait to see where he goes with it. And uh, you know the 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 young stout team, and it it was a good you know proving ground for him. I thought it was a it was a really good match. It was. It was very entertaining. Uh, but you know, at the end of the match, they got the magic killer, dude. Yeah. It is what it is. It is. All right, man. Next up, we had Jurassic Express taking on FTR, which I just found out by seeing the shirt, is Fear of the Revolution. That was my mistake. I didn't know that, Brian. That, that's my mistake, too, because I really didn't care for them in the WWE. I didn't really think they were one of the best tag teams in the world. Mm-hmm. So, 
I didn't really care what their their names stand for, but I really thought about that while I was watching. I was like, what the hell is FTR? <laughs> so thank you for enlightening me, bro. You're welcome. Well, I mean, all you had to do was pay attention to Tully Blanchard's shirt, which is what said, fear the revolution. Well, I guess then there's that. There you go, sir. All right. A week after manipulating Marco Stunt into replacing Luchasaurus for this week's tag team match, FTR's Dax Hardwood and Cash Wheeler. That's not names that I ever want to say again, but I have to. <laughs> just Dax Hardwood is just something I don't want to say anymore. Battled Stunt and his Jurassic Express teammate, Jungle Boy, who looks a lot like his dad. Yes, he does. He looks like a beefed out version of his dad. <laughs> The former AEW World Tag Team Champions bullied the match, uh, bullied the much smaller star, uh, stunt to start, taking joy in beating him down and talking trash in the process. Over to confidence, though, proved costly. A stunt, stunned, Oof. stunt, stunt, yeah, stunt, stunned, stunt, stunned. Yes, Wheeler with a head scissors and a drop kick. Jungle Boy joined in on the fun, and the baby faces had FDR reeling. Heading into a commercial timeout. During the break, Hardwood and Wheeler's dropped stunt over the top rope. They worked him over, isolating him from Jungle Boy and, the, and mercilessly beating him down. Mercilessly. Wheeler applied the gory special, which stunt escaped with a roll-up. The smaller competitor dodged a clothesline from Hardwood and made a hot tag to Jungle Boy, who exploded into the match. Jungle Boy wiped up both men completely taking the fight to the former tag champions by himself. With Stunt back in the match, Hardwood uh, took off his elbow pad and rocked him in the face. Dax bullied Stunt in the corner, allowing Marco to catch his or catch him with an undetected low blow. That was actually pretty funny. I enjoyed that low blow because he was attacking uh, Stunt by pulling his hair. The ref was more worried about the hair, and Stunt nailed him with the low blow. Ha-ha! <laughs> Harwood uh, still sent Stunt to the floor where Tully Blanchard sent him crashing into the steel post. Wheeler sent Jungle Boy into the guardrail and then joined his partner for the big rig on Stunt for the victory. Cooper, your thoughts on this tag team match? Man, this tag team match was back and forth all the way. And you got to give a little Stunt Marshall the, the freaking... You know, the props, man. That, that dude is small, but you know what? He goes in there and he... He takes a beating and he'll give one too. So Marco stunt by or the Marco way. Marco stunt, my bad. Stunt Marshall is the yes. guy we know. <laughs> oh, that's great! Did I say stunt Marshall? You did. Hey, props out to stunt Marshall, man. At least you didn't call anyone daddy. <laughs> <laughs> then there's that. But here we go. You know, uh, yep. you know. I mean, uh, Marco stunt, awesome, awesome talent, Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy is one of them guys that is going to be something big in AEW one day because he's just got the talent, dude. I don't think he will always stay a tag team competitor Mm -hmm. because we've seen the match with him and Chris Jericho. That was good, too. It was. It was was a great match. All right, NWA's Women's Championship match with Serena Deeb versus Tay Conti. Serena Deeb. Deeb was uh, defending the championship. Accompanied by Anna Jay and the Dark Order, Tay Conti made her way to the ring for her first championship opportunity, a showdown with NWA's women's champion, Serena Deeb. Deeb survived an early onslaught by Conte uh, to deliver her detox finisher. Conte kicked out, though, and stunned the champion with a big pump kick that sent her to the arena floor. 
heading into the commercial and coming back from it, uh, Deeb looked to for her serenity lock, but Conte countered into a roll-up. Deeb delivered a rib breaker, though, and Conte managed to kick out again. The action, the action intensified in a pace until Deeb caught Conte with the detox for the hard-fought win. Koopa, your thoughts on the NWA Women's Championship match that we saw? On dude, that was a that good night. match, man. Like, back and forth all the way, dude. It was. And, uh, you know, them ladies put it all on the line, man. It was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and... Uh, I mean, I, I don't really talk too much about, you know, when the women's wrestling in AEW. But this was this was a really good match. I enjoyed it, man. So yeah, yeah. You know, I I can't wait to see what else, what else comes out of you know the women's division over there because it seems pretty cool. Yeah, it's actually starting to seem more legitimate legitimate eyes, and uh, the it seems to be expanding and, with good talent. And not only that, but the cross promotion stuff they're doing that's. <laughs> That reminds me a little bit of something like WCW. Right. Well, cross-promotion work. That's pretty cool. Absolutely, man. All right, man. So, here we go. TNT Championship match. Darby Allin versus Brian Cage. Oh, yes. Excuse me. <laughs> I burped. Last spring, Darby Allin turned down the uh, advice of Taz, and since then, the human suplex machine and the rest of Team Taz has made the TNT champion's life a living hell. Wednesday night uh, in the main event of New Year's Smash, Allen defended his title against the self-proclaimed FTW champion, which has no affiliation with any promotion out there. We found out thanks to Jim Ross and all of them on the uh, announced team. So there you go. Whatever the FTW champion is, it's it just was, for show. It was a. It was an old school. Uh... Championship that Taz used to wear back in the day, I think, in ECW. F the world, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Mm. Alright. Anyways. The machine weathered the early storm presented by Allen, overpowering him and delivering a suplex to the arena floor. From there, he gorilla-pressed him into the ring and tossed him over the top rope and threw a table at ringside. His face bloodied, Allen found himself on the receiving end of a beating that left referee Paul Thomas checking on his well-being. Cage dominated throughout the commercial break, punishing his opponent and downing him for a one count that Allen defiantly kicked out of. Allen would then flip the bird to Cage, only to be powerbombed onto the entrance ramp. Another middle finger earned him a deaf lift, dead lift, deaf lift, (laughs) suplex from the ramp into the ring. It earned another one count as the champion powered out. Cage positioned to the ring, positioned the ring steps against the squared circle. There we go. Allen fought back, bit Cage's fingers, and sent him crashing back first into those steel steps. From there, he would scale the ropes and deliver a coffin drop, driving his weight into his opponent. Allen delivered consecutive open-hand slaps. He bit Cage's face, uh, delivered a springboard stunner, and tied the challenger's feet together. He fired off some rights and lefts to the back of the head. As Cage tried to free his feet, the champion delivered a code red for two, Late in the match, Allen set up for the coffin drop, but Ricky Starks hopped on the apron and provided a distraction. Sting appeared and blasted Starks. Allen delivered a crucifix bomb in the middle of the rope. Yeah. To successfully retain his title, 
Sting joined the W, uh, the w whoa, TNT champion in the ring, staring down Team Taz as snow fell and the show fold, faded to black. Cooper, your thoughts on an actually very surprisingly well put on show by the two competitors? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this match, and we both know that Brian Cage and and Darby Allen they're very very uh, interesting to watch. They're very talented competitors and very so, polar opposite. Uh, yeah, very yes, very polar opposite. That's why it was so interesting to watch. Yeah, I mean, and uh, you know, I mean, I know Taz was was by her and thought that you know Sting got involved, but Sting didn't really do anything. But even the playing but field. even the playing field. So. Uh, you know, shout out to, to Darby Allen. You did great. We, I enjoyed this match. It was really good. Mm-hmm. It, so, was, it was fantastic. It was a good way to end AEW. Yes, it was. It was. All right, man. Let's switch gears and talk about Friday Night Smackdown. Let's do it, brother. It's going to be good, brother. All right. So, first off, we had Mo, uh, to lead off the show. Moments after Paul Heyman vowed to fix the contract for a dissatisfied Roman Reigns, Universal Championship defense against Adam Pearce at the Royal Rumble, Jay Uso would hit the ring to kick off the evening's broadcast. Rerun the show, Uso said of him and Reigns. He warned Pearce uh, what about about what awaits him at the Royal Rumble and suggested WWE official thank the Tribal Chief for their success. Uh, he declared his entry into the Men's Royal Rumble and vowed to go to Raw where he would win the WWE Championship from Drew McIntyre. Very unlikely. Uh, Uso said Shinsuke Nakamura should be thankful, uh, be thanking him and his family for letting him survive last week. This brought the artist out to his old theme music for the first match of the night and Nakamura fanned the flames calling Uso the puppy of Reigns. Uh, to Reigns' big dog, and he caught him with a kick to the head of the, right before the commercial break. Or it was just a kick ahead of the commercial break. There we go, if I read it right. <laughs> so Nakamura versus Jay Uso to start off the night. Nakamura and Uso would go back and forth uh, early until Cesaro's music played and the Swiss Cyborg made his way to ringside, uh, apparently in support of his longtime tag partner. Fueled by his partner's presence at the presence at ringside, Nakamura launched Uso into the ring post, heading into another commercial break. The artist controlled the match coming out of the timeout as Cesaro joined Cole and Graves on commentary, excusing his absence from last week's show by claiming Tropicana Field was too big for him to get to the ring and help his partner as he was beaten down by Uso and Reigns. Uso turned the tide in his favor, working over his opponent in the corner with a barrage of boots. Uh, Nakamura recovered and delivered a sliding German suplex, but Uso answered with a belly-to-back suplex for two. Nakamura set up for the Kinshasa, but uh, Uso caught him with a superkick. The top rope splashed by the former tag champion was met with knees to the midsection. Still, Uso recovered and scored a a roll-up using the ropes. Uh, Charles Robinson counted the three, but then waved it off when he realized Uso was using the ropes for leverage. The ensuing argument le- allowed Nakamura to deliver the Kinshasa for a pinfall victory. Cooper, your thoughts on Nakamura getting the win over Jay Uso? Karma. Yeah. Karma. Karma guy? Yeah, I mean, uh, I-, I thought this was a good match all the way around. Uh, it was interesting to watch, uh, but I also thought that Nakamura would have got it sooner. But, you know, I'm glad he got it. All right. All right, man. Next up, Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan versus Natalia. Oh man. 
Despite Heyman getting into Pierce or getting Pierce to sign a contract for a no disqualification match, Reigns against Reigns at the Royal Rumble and unsatisfied Tribal Chief expressed his desire for a last man standing match and he said he would sign that contract in the ring. Interestingly enough, Apollo Crews sat in on the exchange moments after having knowledge imparted on him <laughs> okay, by the Universal Champion. Back from the break, though, Natalia would hit the ring for a singles competition. Tamina by her side. Her opponent, though, was the uh, Riot Squad's Liv Morgan, uh, accompanied by, of course, Ruby Riot and Billy Gay. Early chain wrestling gave way to the self-proclaimed boat, best of all time, dominating the action with her strength and uh, experience advantages. Morgan would fight back, but a distraction by an overzealous K allowed Natalia to score the win off a schoolgirl school roll-up. Cooper, your thoughts on this match? Uh, it's a train wreck, dude. Uh, Billy Kay is a train wreck. Yeah, that's that's all I'm going to say. She's a train wreck. Uh, she ruined the win for her. Um, it was... It wasn't that bad of a match, but mm-hmm. it wasn't that great either. Alright. So, yeah. What do you think of uh, Natalia's claim as the boat? Uh, she has right, she has rightful claim to it. I will give her that. Um, I think she's one of the best women's competitors out there, but I don't know about the best. So, right, I would probably say right now might be Charlotte. Right now, yeah, yeah, I would have to say that Charlotte. Yeah. All right. Uh, a week after King Corbin sent him into the steel steps during a gauntlet match, Dominic Mysterio watches his father Ray battle. The heel in singles competition. The bigger, stronger, more ferocious Corbin dominated the action, pummeling Mysterio for the majority of the match. Commentators Michael Cole and Corey Graves even asked Dominic how he could just sit by and watch. The third generation star cited his father's wishes to stay out of the match. Imagine that. Another one of those. Stay out of my match! Yeah. <laughs> Mysterio created separation and set up for the 619, but Corbin caught him with a deep six. The action spilled to the ring floor where Corbin blasted Dominic. Back in the ring, the young star attempted to defend himself, but Corbin sent Ray into his son and finished him off with end of days for the win. Koopa, what is going on? Why are they making Corbin dominant again? Because uh, SmackDown's going to have a bad guy. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess the Miz isn't enough for them. Well, Miz has been on Raw lately, so. Has he? That's right. He is on Raw. My bad. (laughs) So, yeah. So they need a bad guy. So there you go. I guess the tribal chief is not enough. Tribal chief is not enough. Evidently. Oh, God. Can you imagine if those two tagged up? Oh, my gosh, dude. (laughs) Right? Right. I'm sorry, folks. It's, It's been a long day. It has. All right. Ding Dong Hello premieres with Bianca Belair. Michael Cole threw to the ring for the debut episode of Ding Dong Hello with Bailey. The former SmackDown Women's Champion introduced her first G-U-E-S-T, Bianca Belair. Belair made herself at home, stealing Bailey's chair from her, which is always funny. The hostess threw to a video screen uh, for what was supposed to be a preview of Belair's upcoming edition of WWE Chronicle but was actually a recap of her own win over the EST a few weeks back. Bailey insisted she is the best for, for having beat Belair. I'm not sure how that makes you the best. I mean, even though Belair is very talented, I don't still think that makes it, you the best. 
But it is what it is, I guess. The back and forth argument between the two gave way to Bailey laying down the challenge for an obstacle course on next week's show. Belair, of course, eagerly eagerly accepted as the two continued their argument to close out the segment. Cooper, your thoughts on the Ding Dong Hello premiere and, of course, the now uh, obstacle course, or whatever that's supposed to be, for next week's show. Ding Dong, what the hello is going on? Right? That's all I got to say about that. Uh, it's kind of weird. Like It's kind of like they're trying to throw Bailey into something. Um Bailey is very talented. She needs to be back on top where she was and call it that. I mean, she was one of the longest reigning women's champions. So, yeah. you know, I don't like not to see her in the main event picture. So. Yeah, right. All right, man. Next up, we have Daniel Bryan versus Cesaro. Ooh, good match. Daniel Bryan and Cesaro took to the squared circle for singles competition and wasted little time taking off taking to the mat for some chain wrestling. Cesario took a nasty bump that left him nursing the back of his head. Brian took advantage, sailing off the top rope with a splash and an errant kick by Brian. Saw him crash into the ring post, heading into the break. Back from the commercial, Brian and Cesaro teed off on each other with hard-hitting strikes. Brian uh, punted the left arm and applied the yes lock to Cesaro. Cesaro would counter and apply a sharpshooter. Uh, Brian countered and reapplied the yes lock. Cesaro narrowly forced, uh, narrowly forced a break, draping his foot over the bottom rope. The foot headed to the foot. The fight headed to the ropes, where Cesaro <laughs> delivered a vertical suplex for a near fall. The action continued, encompassing uh, reversals and counters, until Brian set up for the running knee. Uh, Cesaro caught him with a mid run with an uppercut and finished Brian off with the neutralizer for the win. Koopa, your thought on two. Really good, powerful, and technical wrestlers in Daniel Bryan and Cesaro. I will have to say this is probably one of the biggest uh, wins in Cesaro's career. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Cesaro has always been a very good singles competitor, but at the same time, you know, Daniel Bryan is Daniel Bryan. And he is a very good, you know, technical mat wrestler. And I think it's really cool that... that they're giving him this shot. I'm glad to see Cesaro back after so long. So uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll do something good in the in the uh, you know the Rumble. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's already won the the Andre the Giant before, so we'll see what happens. Absolutely, man. This was a freaking hell of a match, though. So. Yeah, it was. I liked um, it. Two great competitors. I just don't like what they've been doing with Daniel Bryan lately. He's been on a losing streak as of late too. Yeah. Taking quite a few L's here. Don't like it. Alright, Apollo Crews take, took on Sami Zayn. On the same night, he joined Roman Reigns in the locker room learning under the big dog. Apollo Crews battled Sami Zayn in singles competition while Intercontinental Champion Biggie watched from a sofa at ringside. I would love to be sitting on a sofa right now. <laughs> but I digress. Excuse me. Uh, Cruz overwhelmed and dominated Zayn early and often, overpowering him and proving himself worthy of another IC title opportunity. Later, Zayn delivered an exploder suplex into the corner. Cruz, though, would recover, rolling them up and holding the tights for the win. Big E would question the means of victory on commentary. Cruz would grab hold of the IC title and stare at it, uh, then tossed it back to Big E before engaging in trash talk. Cooper, your thoughts on Apollo Cruz getting another shot at Big E in the Intercontinental Championship. 
I'm, it's good for him. I'm, I'm happy to see somebody besides Sami Zayn. Yes. Uh, it was a good match, though. I'll give him that, and I'll give Sami Zayn that. It was actually a good match. He actually hit him with the exploder into the uh, the turnbuckle, and, you know, he did some Sami Zayn stuff we haven't seen in a while, so he must have really wanted that title shot, but uh, he couldn't come up with it, so. Right. Um, to see Apollo Crews and Big E go at it again, I'd like to see Apollo Crews and Big E, too. Why not? All right. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing them as a tag partner, but... Yeah, then there's that, that right? Probably a really good not tag team, but I digress. All right, so finally to end the show, we had the official contract signing for the Royal Rumble. Reigns bullied and intimidated Adam Pearson to signing the contract for their last main standing match at Royal Rumble before taking his place at the head of the table. Reigns put pen to paper, apparently pleased with his actions and the way things unfolded. However... I've waited all night for you to do that, Pierce said, before he exited the ring and made his way up the ramp. Feigning a knee injury, he revealed that the card is always subject to change. And with that, he introduced Kevin Owens, who would then sign the contract for the Royal Rumble title shot. Koopa, your thoughts on Adam Pierce feigning knee injury and the return of Kevin Owens for another shot at the head of the table. For there the is Universal a wrestling Champions. god. Where's JBL? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Because I'm telling you, dude, I did not want to see this. I was like, I was so mad. I was like, are you serious? They're going to go with this? What the? Like, yeah. Something had to be up because this was not going to happen. I was not happy. I'm still kind of like a little lackluster with the fact that it's Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns. But you know what? You know, they had a good match the last time they faced each other. So we'll see what happens at the Rumble, man. Last man standing. You know, uh, Kevin Owens, is he's kind of crazy. So, But yeah. then again, so is Roman. So. You're just asking yourself, though, to take more punishment by Jey Uso and Roman with this last man standing match. Yeah. That's the only thing that's going to be the problem. Because in a last man standing match, you're allowed to do whatever it takes to keep him down. Yeah, it is basically it really, a the, the thing match. that sucks for Kevin Owens is he doesn't really have any like allies. There's nobody really there that could really help him out. Well, he has an old ally he could reach out to if they're over their indifferences. Who's that? Sammy. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with him, man. You never know. I mean, we haven't seen them team back up in a while, and it probably would be a good. I think it would Kevin. be a good revamp for, for Sammy. Yeah, a re- good chance for him to get back at least somewhat in a title contention picture for a upper. Sammy, I do think, is better suited for a mid-card, but sometimes you got to let a mid-card have a chance at it. Every once in a while, I understand that, even though I don't like it. So I, would, I wouldn't mind seeing Sammy Zayn at some point trying to get up there. Um, actually be legitimately in title contention, not like, oh, we just threw in Sami Zayn for a gauntlet match or or a battle, roy- battle royale not, or whatever. Not only that, but whatever, his char- whatever they're doing with his character, yeah, they need to change it back. Mm-hmm. They need to go back to Sami Zayn being this happy-go-lucky dude because he was cool as shit, dude. I enjoyed every bit of it. I loved his... His, you know, his rivalry with Kevin Owens in NXT, 
I thought it was some very, very stout, good matches. Right. And I would love to see him back in that kind of, you know, like, oh, the underdog, you know what I mean? Because right. Sami Zayn, he's really a good good wrestler. Um, and he, he he's proven. He can, he can either make you love him or make you hate him. So maybe he's kind of like the new Chris Jericho. Of uh, WWE, maybe mm. not not as much as far as titles and things like that go, but the attitude maybe. He's he's so much more been comic relief really than serious title contender like Jericho has. Jericho, yeah, when as he got more away from and reappearing in WWE, he would do some comic relief stuff, but you always expecting him to be in the title picture. Oh yeah. All the time when he came back. They're like, okay, it's just a matter of time. Jericho's back. He's dealing with some fun stuff here, but it's only a matter of time before Jericho's in the top of the food chain where he belongs. Oh, yeah. And I just don't see that with Sami Zayn at all, uh, where he's basically been comic relief, mid-card champion at best. Uh, but, you know, like I said, Pumbaa needs a Timon again. <laughs> so we'll see what happens, you know. So, or you could say that big man needs his Cooper. <laughs> oh, and there's that. <laughs> a little sentimental for you. How about that, oh, buddy? Oh, you're so sweet, buddy. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. You got anything else you want to no, talk man, about for uh, the wrestling show? No, that's it, man. That was fun. That was good stuff. Yeah, uh, sorry we went a little long on you guys, but, you know, it's a lot to cover. We're covering three shows in a week <laughs> for a week, so. Yeah, that's... And not only that, but we wanted to give you guys more of an in-depth, you know, what's what's going on with the wrestling world. Because I know we don't do that sometimes. Yeah. So, it's, you know, it's we're kind of trying to change it up to give you guys more. Yep. So. And if you're unaware, the WWE officially announced earlier tonight that they will bring back WrestleMania to Tampa, Florida this April. Uh, then next year's WrestleMania will, I believe it was already scheduled to be in Dallas, will remain in Dallas. And uh, the WrestleMania that was supposed to be in Los Angeles this year has been pushed back to the Dallas, after Dallas, uh, WrestleMania. So, some interesting news. Maybe we can get lucky and go this year. We'll see. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> if not, there, there's some AEW we can go watch. There is. There's a lot of good AEW so, going on, and of course. Uh, and I think I'm missing a little bit of the Indies, because why would I say Stunt Marshall? <laughs> I'm missing the Indies, buddy. We gotta go watch some Indie shows too. Yeah. Well, you know how I'm shared you that thing about why do men just start podcasts instead of seeing therapists? <laughs> Obviously, I need to go see one with my daddy issues. Apparently. <laughs> I don't know what the hell that was about. Oh man. I'm not sure what that was about. I'm just it like. Was- did I just say daddy? <laughs> Instead of daddy. Wow. All right, everybody. So, of course, tomorrow is basketball talk. Nothing's really been going on in baseball that's too exciting, so it's going to be all ball night. Strictly ball night. Strictly ball night. We had a big trade this week. If you haven't heard, uh, if you have heard, you already know who it is. If you haven't, well, you'll find out tomorrow when we talk about it. But I'm sure you've heard it. If you, if you haven't heard it, what are you doing? Living under a rock? Either that or they don't like sports. So there you go. True. But then why are they listening to us? Exactly. What the freak? <laughs> so I just blew your theory up. <laughs> All right. So, of course, basketball talk. And, of course, Tuesday, 
you'll want to tune in because it is the return of football talk. We have a lot of stuff interesting, a lot of interesting stuff for football. Holy cow. Oh, yes. Some oh, coach hirings. Yeah. Big oh, hirings. Yeah. Some big time hirings. Uh, uh, some playoff games we got to talk about. Unfortunately, one of them. Fresh, fresh, fresh. Excuse me. Pardon me. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, of course, that will do it for us here on Sports Talk with Cooper and Big Man. And as always, keep, keep on, on walking. Talking. Why did I say walking? Whoa. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. My daddy issues have fucked me over. (laughs) Uh, Well, as always, keep keep on on talking talking sports. sports.